Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. Hey everybody, uh, I'm JT and welcome to Grilling at the Green based here in Portland and then of course a number of uh, radio stations across the country and probably more importantly for most of you on the um, Golf News Network iHeart app. Uh, we get quite a bit of uh, visitation on that. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended and also the Oregon Crab Commission. Did I tell you I'm from the Northwest? Yeah. Um from sea to plate, if you've never had Oregon Dungeness crab, you should give it a shot. It's great stuff. Well, today I'm very honored to have a a wily veteran. Um, I'm going to put it that way. Is that's okay, Gary? I'll frame you frame you that way. Not only um, did Gary Gary Christian, by the way, Gary played on a lot of mini tours. He played on the big PGA tour. He's played in Europe, and he's also taken a seat behind a microphone, and uh, not only for some golf stuff, but also for the Auburn Tigers, his alma mater. So we got a lot to talk about. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. Always nice to uh, talk to a new uh, a new face. <laughs> well, this is kind of an old weathered face, Gary, but uh, it, it'll it'll make it. I, I hope. I hope like that. Okay, I want to kind of start from the top. You're. Um, English by birth, and uh, it's I when I read your bio and stuff, it said you started playing when you were a young lad with your dad. He kind of cut down some old hickory shaft sticks for you, and it just went from there. Can you give us that little uh, abridged version of that story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I was self-taught until I was twenty-six, I believe it was. Um, so my dad. Just went to a, I think we would call it a rummage sale um, in America, jumble sale in England, found some old hickories, uh, got a hacksaw and just went to town and said, there you go, there's a golf club. I'll, I'll teach you how to hold it and then uh, you can figure out how to swing it. So uh, the only thing he ever told me, which was genius without him knowing it, was uh, just make the divot after the ball. That was the only thing that he ever taught me. Most importantly, he didn't tell me how to do it. I just did it. Um, I just figured it out myself. And as a result of that one genius comment, that was probably the equivalent of 100 lessons where I learned a, you know, a steady head, a nice pivot, flat left wrist, you know, weight transference, everything that when you're learning the game, you would have to spend hours and hours and hours uh, with lessons to, to figure out. So uh, he, uh, he did an incredible job. And uh, we had a field at the back of our garden and um, – you know, I think I probably start when I was four, something like that. And uh, he was an avid golfer. And, you know, in the old days in England, you'd have the Dunlop 65 wrapped golf balls. And I, I remember that he, you know, he said to me, if you can reach the end of the field in three, I'll give you a, uh, a wrapped golf ball. And it took me a while, but I got it. And that was, I've still got that at home. It's uh, <laughs> one of my prized possessions. And then reached it in two, I got another one. And then finally, I 
drove it to the end of the end of the field uh, a few years later and got another one. So uh, that was kind of nice mementos. Well, there you go. Does your dad still play? Unfortunately, he just passed away in the autumn. Oh, um, wow. So it was, uh, you know, he, he as I said, he had a, a wonderful life that golf was such a big part of it. And he was still playing into his early to mid 80s and, uh, you know, loving every minute of it. So, uh, the, you know, still trying to figure it out, figure out the intricacies of the game and, you know, would call me and I, yeah, I think I got the secret. I got, uh, you know, it's all, it always entailed gripping it lighter. So eventually there would be no grip pressure left. And, from watching and listening to what his his great uh, master plans were, so uh, he 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 led a great life that was very much centered around golf. Well, my uh, sincere condolences. I didn't know he had passed away, but that seems to be um, from yourself and other people who spent time with their father uh, in their young years. Uh, that's sometimes the best teacher, actually. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it was good that, that he was a good golfer, you know, like a seven handicap. So he was, uh, you know, a solid golfer, but you know, he could never afford lessons himself. But he hung around good players and and, and he got tips off them. And you know, making the divot in front of the ball was taught to him by a, an old Scottish fella who probably learned it from a, an even more wizened Scottish fella. So it's probably a hundred year old wisdom that had just been passed down from generation to generation. and found its way to my dad and which found its way to me, which found its way to my kids. Well, good for you. Good for you. You know, I, you, you knocked around. Um, and I use, use that term literally because sometimes you do get knocked around on those sure. mini tours, sure. but the one thing that, um, and in your interview with wit, you had to, to stay out there, you had to win. So it taught yeah. you and you taught yourself how to win. Uh, you know, Trevino always tells the story about when you're betting 200 bucks and you don't have any money in your pocket, you learn to win. How how indicative was that of your uh, mental state and your competitive state to to get out there every week and get that $500 check or whatever it was? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think that's what separates good golfers from very good golfers and, and eventually elite golfers. It's that competitive streak. It's that competitive edge where I always found that I, I hated losing more than I enjoyed winning. Um, but with that came the ability to learn from that experience and would apply it and and understood that um, you know you obviously lose way more than you win at golf. But every opportunity you have, you use that as a learning lesson. And I was actually very fortunate. I played on the mini tours for six years. And made money for my sponsors every year, which is very, very hard to do. But it was only because I had the ability to win three or four times a year. And, you know, obviously all the purses are top heavy. So you get ahead of the game and then you sort of hang on and hope you get through qualifying school. And um, it, it was, uh, it, it was, it were, they were really happy times because you, you, you know, you were, you were putting yourself up against, you know, the best mini tour players on that tour and play lots of different tours. And so you knew and they knew that there was only one prize worth winning. And so, yeah, wherever you play at whatever level, whatever mini tour you play on, especially, there's some great golfers out there. So if in order for you to come through and win that week, you've played some really, really impressive golf. And, you know, it, it was everyone teed it up. The, the, the better players on those mini tours teed it up with only one thought in their mind. They weren't going to be you know, near the lead on, on the last round and, and, and be satisfied with the top five finish. There was first place and that was it. Yeah. And, and, and that, that just fed into my competitive streak. 
Um, and, you know, fortunately, that was a, a natural gift that I had of being competitive and, and wanting to win. And I talked, actually talked to uh, Coach Fields over at University of Texas and just asked him, you know, kind of, you know, when you look at Jordan Spieth and you look at Scotty Scheffler, you look at some of the great players he's coached, now the Cootie brothers, what were the things that stood out? And without me even finishing the sentence, he said ultra competitiveness. And that is certainly, you know, may, um, perhaps with the younger generation, it's not maybe as prevalent as it was. So when it does happen, it really stands out. Oh, yes, absolutely. We've got about a minute and a half here, Gary, but I wanted to ask you this. Sometimes it can be a lonely existence out there on the tour. I mean, you're focused on playing golf, so you don't think about it very much. But when you're out there week after week after week, it can be a a, a mental or emotional grind on you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I was I was friendly with the players. You know, we would go out and hang out a little bit, but not much. But because what I did, I was actually quite smart. I just through a network of friends, I would stay in people's houses and and have a family to go home to. You know, I miss my family desperately. So what better way I could stay in a horrifically cheap hotel with the cockroaches as uh, as compatriots or I could stay in a nice million-dollar house, half-million-dollar house, whatever it was, where they fed you and – gave you beer and wine and whatever else you wanted and comfortable bed and everything good. So uh, I, I took advantage of that. And, and they were some really happy memories and, and had some very strong friendships as a result. Well, that's, that's a great way to do it. I think because uh, in my other profession, which I'm out of now, uh, it was a uh, Wednesday or Thursday to the airport back on Sunday or Monday off to the dry cleaners, pack it up again and leave again. And as much as, you know, 35, 37 weeks a year. And uh, I had a family or was starting a family at that time. And and uh, there were some long flights. I'll just put it that way. So, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Gary Christian, uh, former tour player, uh, worked for the Golf Channel, doing some stuff for the Auburn Tigers now. And we're going to talk more about his career and his life on Grilling at the Green. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, JT here. You know, every week on Grilling at the Green, we bring you a travel tip, and that is brought to you by the Weston dealerships. I've known those guys since I was a kid, and they have one way of doing business. It's called the Weston Way. It's family-oriented, and there's no better people to deal with. Check out Weston Kia on Southeast Stark in Gresham, Oregon. Welcome back to Grilling It's Green. I'm JT. Um, this is the segment every week where we do a travel tip brought to you by Weston Kia here in the Portland area. And of course, Kia is an international brand now, but I couldn't think of anybody better than Gary to give us a travel tip, you know, and, and most of them are like, well, protect your clubs and do all this stuff. But I had Sandra Gall on a uh, week or so ago and and she gave some really good ones about your traveling and kind of keeping your you know your uh mental state in good repair during the travel what would be your travel tip for people and, and we'll get to your booking travels uh yeah. excursions a little later in the show gary but what would be your tip for people 
Um, I think organization. Uh, I think, um, you know, just <laughs> it's so easy to get off, off schedule and, and try and do too much and, uh, and, and then miss something at the last minute. I think keeping everything as simple as possible, everything as organized as possible, just takes the stress out of travel. We all know how stressful travel is. You know, just simple things like getting to the airport early, um, not rushing and hoping you're going to make your flight. You know, all those kinds of things. It's just anything to reduce the stress. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate. I'm pretty well organized. And uh, I know that if I wasn't as organized, travel will be far more challenging than it actually is. Um, I, I think that's a simple tip. But uh, that and probably not drinking too much on an airplane. That would probably help an awful lot as well. You don't feel so good when you get on get on the ground. I, I'm I'm living proof of that, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't when especially if you get to bump up to business or first for whatever reason and they come by with the free cocktails. Mm. You know, you might want to rethink that after one or two and just, <laughs> you know, take your nap and and uh anyway, uh we'll we'll talk about that another time. How tough was it when you got to the PGA tour? I mean, you've been playing on the the mini tours. Uh, you took a stint at what's now the Corn Ferry Tour. You finally got your card when you were forty. That's an anomaly in itself, and something to be very proud of. But when you got there, did you go, "Oh my God, look at these guys"? Uh, no, uh, I, I mean that was the number one thing. I knew that um, I was prepared because of the Corn Ferry Tour. The, the Corn Ferry Tour is you know, people want to say it's the second best tour in the world. That's debatable, but uh, the quality of player on that tour is is exceptional. But also, when you think about it, there's 150 spots basically every week on the PGA Tour, and there's 500, 600, 700 people worldwide capable of filling those spots because the depth, strength in depth worldwide is so strong. So to come up on the corn ferry, so I played there for six years. And as I said, I, I won two times. And that just gave me the belief, you know, I'm playing against PGA Tour caliber players. Um, and I've beaten them um, a couple of times and I've won championships. And that just carried over. So, you know, I think being a 40-year-old rookie as well helped because, you know, you've seen and you've been around the block a little bit and you kind of understand you know, the enormity of the situation, but kind of frame it where it's, you know, it's just golf. And, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously. And it's a bit of a cliche, but um, I actually remember teeing up on the first hole in the, on the Sony, in the Sony in Hawaii. And I wasn't actually that nervous. I, I, I thought I would get there and the enormity of my achievement would have hit me and I would have been way more uncomfortable. I, I striped it down the middle. I hit a wedge to 10 feet, made a birdie on my first hole as a PGA Tour player. Uh, it didn't go so well on there because I lost it up a palm tree and made double. But uh, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you 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 feel prepared playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then you, um, you get to the PGA Tour. What you need early is a good finish. And my second event, so I missed the cut in the Sony. My second event was at uh, in Palm Springs or uh, La Quinta. And um, I finished, I shot 64 in the last round and finished top 15. And so that just gave me the belief, okay, this isn't much different to what I've experienced before. Yeah, it's a little bit, the greens are a little firmer, the rough's a little bit longer. Um, there's names that you've idolized over the years as, a, as an up-and-coming pro. But, 
you know, they're just human. I've watched players on the range that, you know, were top 10 in the world hit some awful shots. And so, you know, it, it helped me to understand that even the greatest players in the world hit shots way worse than I do. So, um, you know, it, it was a comforting feeling to get that good result under my belt early. Yeah, well, you know, two weeks ago, Tiger hit a shank. Yeah. And and I don't, it's almost like when you were watching on television, it's almost like the world stopped there for about five seconds because <laughs> nobody wanted to say the word. Tiger was just kind of standing there in disbelief. But, you know, he's working his way back. And I'm a big Tiger fan. I know you're kind of a Tiger fan because you got to play with him. But, yeah, I've seen, and we used to have PGA events here in Portland, and you could, any given day, any given shot could go awry on those guys, mm-hmm. no matter how good they are. So, wow. and, the, and the same with the LPGA ladies. They're, they're you know, they're sharks out there, but every once in a while you hear the descriptive words that let you know what happened. You know, like <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about that for a second, uh, Gary. The you got to play with Tiger, yep. which it, um, and you know, there's a great quote by somebody. I don't know who said it actually, who who to attribute it to, but a couple of the young guys have said over the past that they really want wish they could go up against Tiger in his prime, absolute prime. And one of the commentators, I don't know if it was Eamon Lynch or who said the blank you do because <laughs> it was the tiger bubble and uh the circus the zoo whatever you want to call it was when you played with him that day did you feel that at all i i mean i felt the i felt the power of thousands and thousands and thousands of people out watching two people play golf the the aura that he has um that he had then it was 2012 so you know it, it wasn't peak, peak Tiger, but it was still Tiger Woods in a pretty good iteration. And just some of the shots just sounded different, looked different, um, were just incredible to 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 see up close. The energy when when he held a putt was amazing. You know, I still get goosebumps. And, you know, I'm playing against him. He made a putt at Beth Page early on. And, you know, the, the, the sound of the crowd, you know, I, I got the shivers and, and I'm, I'm needing to make a pub, you know, not long after him. It's just unlike anything you'll experience, um, you know, but, you know, with that comes stuff that he has to deal with, you know, some, you know, stuff people say on the course to him that he can't react to that, you know, he, you know, his life is on the front page of every newspaper and, People know everything good, bad, and indifferent about him, and and then they weren't afraid to bring it up. And you know, I was fortunate in that I was a completely anonymous golfer that uh, I could quite happily high five everyone and embrace the situation and and just enjoy the living daylights out of out of that round. Whereas he had to kind of have his head down and 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 not react, not not take in the noise. Where you know, if you, you're not human, if you didn't hear, you know, the noise right. around you. Um, I, I had a, some really nice moments with him and, you know, one moment kind of stands out in that, you know, I said to him, you know, Tiger, this has been an amazing day, you know, just to kind of experience, you know, playing with you and, and going and seeing what you go through. And, you know, I said to him, but you know what, I wouldn't swap my life for yours or anything. And, you know, he kind of looked at me and you could just tell, man, I'd like to be an anonymous guy like this guy just one time in my life. And, 
just be able to do what I want when I want, not have to worry what I say, not have to worry how I act, because it's not going to make the front page of papers if I do something wrong. Right. Absolutely. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to be back with Gary Christian. We're going to talk about a little about his broadcasting career and how that British accent fares for him in Georgia. You're listening to Grilling at the Greens. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's JT. You know, I talk about Painted Hills all the time. Uh, and we always say beef the way nature intended. But it's more than that, because each bite of Painted Hills will make your taste buds explode. Put a big, bright smile on your face. And whoever is at your dinner table will have a big, bright smile on their face. And you can thank me for that later. Just go to PaintedHillsBeef.com and find out more. You won't regret it. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm Jeff Tracy. Again, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. You can actually order it online. Um, just go to PaintedHillsBeef.com and they have an online store. Also, the folks, John Breaker and his family over at Birdie Ball in Colorado. Uh, it's a great thing to practice with. It looks like a napkin ring. Uh, flies just like a golf ball, weighs the same as a golf ball, but it won't go more than 40 yards. It's been around over 25 years now, and uh, they're great. In fact, I'm going to be having some to give away at the Portland Golf Show. And also from my other show, the barbecue show, uh, Pig Powder, best uh, rub on the planet. Go to pigpowder.com, and that is uh, with my radio wife, if you will, from Florida, Leanne Whippen, Hall of Famer. Just go to pigpowder.com if you like to eat great barbecue and outdoor cooked food. We're talking with Gary Christian today. Um, Gary went from mini tour player to the big tour player. And you had a something that affects a lot of people, myself included. You got a boogered up knee. Um and that kind of started to slow down your playing. And then you looked around and decided to get into broadcasting. Uh, Wit made the comment like, there's not a lot of chairs available at that table, but it sounds like you got a break and uh, something you're really enjoying now. Yeah, I mean, it's something I always wanted to do after my playing career. It was just, I was hoping to do it in my 50s, not in my 40s. Um, you know, I obviously when you grow up on the you know, watching golf on the BBC and and now on Sky Sports, you know, you you pay attention to the uh, the commentators. They you know, obviously Peter Alice was a big part of my childhood, and it, it was always interesting to me how he could add to a situation, not take away from the situation. He could add drama when you look even further back to Henry Longhurst. You know, less is more. Um, and, and I, I thought it'd be something I'd be good at. You know, I'm pretty well educated. I've got a good vocabulary and, you know, got a, a voice that people can understand. So I, I like to think that I bring a little bit of that less is more mentality to just help, you know, kind of just hold the hands of the viewer, uh, of, of saying why the shot's difficult, you know, what the, what the, the, the challenges are, how things have been going so far, you know, pick up on body language, pick up on chatter, you know, everything that just adds to it without getting in the way. Um, that That's kind of my goal. Um, you know, the, the way broadcasting is going, it, it's maybe moving away from that a little bit where it seems like there needs to be a little bit more talk and a little bit more chatter and banter and whatever else. And that's just, you know, the way golf and golf commentary and golf broadcasting evolves. So um, 
I got into it through just a little bit of luck. I called the executive producer for Sky Sports in the UK, and they actually turned out they needed someone to cover the PGA Tour, but someone who had actually played the PGA Tour. Most of their talent pool were European Tour players, DP World Tour players, and I fit the bill. So it came at a great time. I had to go to London to do it in studio, which I love because I got to spend a third of the year for a couple of years um, you know, back at home with my family. So that was wonderful. Um, and then as a result of that, that led to my profile, you know, kind of getting some some traction and the Golf Channel and uh, PGA Tour Live, ESPN Plus um, uh, took took me on as well. So it's been great. It's, you know, it's not as, I don't have as many events as I'd like. Um, so that's why we, you know, I think everyone in that broadcasting field is sort of needing to branch out in addition to their broadcasting. So right, uh, right. that's why there's that little bit of a, a mid mid to late uh, season pivot for me, should we say? No, that's fine. And which, which time were you more nervous on the first tee of a PGA tour event or the first time the, the red light came on in the camera in front of you uh, and you knew your mic was hot? Yeah, when you think about it, um, a bar the round with Tiger Woods, I was used to yeah, maybe 10 or 11 people watching me. Not a big deal. Um, when I was playing, you know, when you put that uh, mic on and you've got potentially hundreds of thousands <laughs> or maybe millions of people listening to you or watching you. So uh, there's a little bit more scrutiny. So it was, I must admit, I, I remember the first show I did at Sky. Uh, I could just feel my heart pounding and that was right next <laughs> to the mic. So I don't know if they picked that up or not, but uh I did a good job of faking my way through it and uh, looked comfortable, even though I was very uncomfortable indeed. It it does happen. I, mm. I, can, I can tell you from my own experience, it does happen. When that light comes on and all of a sudden your mic, mind goes blank for about two seconds and you're going, mm. oh, my God, I got to say something. So <laughs> it happens well, actually, like it. Actually, what's a nice thing is that you're know, being a former PGA Tour player, former golf professional, you know, you kind of use techniques from your playing days to help you on camera of, of deep breathing and, you know, just letting everything settle and then just, okay, get ourselves back, relax, and then you could talk and make sense. And uh, I've had a few moments where I, I have blanked out and just hopefully, you know, I've fortunately used those techniques that help me play and to, to get me through that. Isn't it funny, though, when the red light comes on and even if you've got that just a – brief hesitation but mm. once you once you get into it all that goes away yeah yeah you know, it's, like, that's, it's like the start of a world heavyweight title fight once you get punched in the face one time you're good <laughs> yeah I, I don't know that's pretty good uh but yeah so what are you doing for auburn that's oh, your well, alma mater well, I, you know, I obviously I've got great interest in it. I'm not actually doing anything um, uh, with them, um, but you know, I've talked to their team over the years and and, and kind of helped, uh, you know, maybe mentor a little bit and um, okay. you know, just talk your way through. You know, college golf is really difficult, and um, you know, most of those guys, Auburn is one of the top programs in in the country. Um, he's got a great coach, Coach Kleinard. He recruits so well. Um, so most of these players that come to Auburn have the you know the goal to play on the PGA Tour. So it's nice. I don't I don't live very far. I live in Birmingham in Alabama. So I'm only you know an hour and a half, two hours from Auburn, where I could nip down there have a chat. And uh, you know I'm I'm an open book. If they want to ask any question, ask it because I've experienced everything that they have experienced and everything that they will experience. 
My apologies. I had said before we went to the break about Gary's accent in Georgia. I don't know why I said Georgia. I guess a Georgia Tech or something. But uh, yeah, we're all the same down south. There's no difference. Yeah. So, so did anybody ever make fun of you because of your accent in a good way? In a good way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing is that you gain some attention that you wouldn't normally gain. <laughs> so, uh, with an Eng- a thick English accent in Alabama. Especially when I first came here, before I went to Auburn to play on the golf team, I was at a junior college in a dry county in North Alabama. So um, they hadn't seen many folk like me, should we say, in the past or heard many folk like me. So uh, I was a little bit like a zoo exhibit. Um, I think people were were quite interested to see this strange person with this funny accent. How'd the uh, dry county part work out? Uh, not great. Um, it was, uh, I, I actually, I, you know, I, when I li- left high school at 18, I worked for two years, you know, just outside London. So I was living pretty, pretty cool life right, where you were going out basically every night doing maybe what you shouldn't have been doing. And I come to this place called Corman, Alabama, and the coach picked me up at the airport and we're talking and I kept calling him by his first name. He said, no, well, son, you got to call me coach. I said, okay, great. And we got halfway there, and uh, he said, uh, "Now I need to I need to tell you something. We're in a dry county." And I said, "I, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't. I have no. I, that's why the first question I asked was, oh, you've had a bit of a drought, have you? It hasn't rained for a while.'" Um, and he said, "No, son, you're not understanding. We don't sell alcohol." I said, "Well, yeah. Where'd you get a beer from then?" And we drove right by the county line where the beer line started. So he said, "Right there." And I said, okay, great. Thank you very much. So that was a very useful bit of information early. Yeah, I uh, experienced that up in Kentucky, not when I was in school, but afterwards I went back there to do some work and they said, by the way, uh, Oldham County here is a dry county. (laughs) So we figured out very quickly, it was 12 miles to drive down to the nearest, as I call them, stop and rob. And so you could could get your beer or whatever you needed and come back home. There was no problem drinking it in the county. It was just you couldn't buy it there. It's a very archaic rule or law. It's fortunately it's changed in that county now. So we're good. 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 What what's the one thing you've had a very, very interesting life, Gary, a very interesting career in golf uh, and all that. Is there one thing that really jumps to the top of your mind that says, this is probably the coolest thing I ever did. And I'm talking about professionally, you know, not having a family and that that's a whole different level and a different deal, but what's the, what do you think might be in your mind, the coolest thing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we all dream as, as athletes of going out on top. Um, and I, you know, to make the PGA two at 40, was something that maybe far exceeded yeah, what normal people would say would be expectations. And so to 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 have that was amazing. The people I, I met and stayed with, you know, I stayed with Wayne Gretzky. I met Nick Fowler, who I named my son after, my eldest son. I, I met President Clinton. Um, I met actors, you know, heroes yeah. of mine, played with Tiger Woods. But I don't think there was anything cooler for me than the the last professional, what I would call proper professional round of my career. Um, I got injured in 2013. I got my knee repaired. I came back. I tore it again. Um, I came back. I tore it again. And I was going to have the third operation. And um, it, it, I knew that was it. That was going to be the end of my my professional golf career. 
Um, I was sitting, having a glass of wine with my wife, and we one night we were just sitting talking about golf and you know how great it'd been. And I got a phone call, and it was a phone call from uh, a, a friend of mine who kind of runs the the TaylorMade Invitational or the Callaway Invitational uh, at Pebble Beach. And he said, "Someone's dropped out. Can you come to Pebble Beach next week uh, and play in it? And they fly you and your wife out. You stay at the Inn at Spanish Bay. All your food and drink are free." You get a spa certificate. You get paid at the end. It's just unbelievable. And so I absolutely, of course, I did. I went there. I missed a cut by one shot. And they asked me, hey, would you like to play tomorrow with a, a team? Their pro Vista cut has gone home. I said, sure. They said, it'll be at Pebble Beach. So I played my last round of professional golf as what I call a proper pro at Pebble Beach. 70 degrees, a little bit of breeze high surf advisory and i started on 10 i finished on nine i stood on 8t and to that point i'd hit every fairway and every green i hit it in the fairway on eight and had a four hybrid into it i hit it in the middle of the green i hit it right down the middle on nine and i had a three iron between me basically pitching a perfect game in my final round as a pga professional pga tour professional and I hit the best three iron of my life right in the middle of the green. And it just, to this day, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I shot 67, played a perfect round of golf, basically. I got in the car, signed the card, burst into tears. Uh, you couldn't think of a, a better way to end what had been an incredible journey and an incredible career. No, that that's a great story. Great experience. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Gary's uh, tour business uh, right here on Grilling at the Green. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. JT here. If you need something to practice with in the inclement weather, try Birdie Ball. Go to birdieball.com. Check out the actual Birdie Balls, their packages, their putting greens, which I happen to have a couple of those, and they work great. Birdieball.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Um, I want to thank the folks at Hammerstall Knives and Heritage Cookware. Gary, if you don't, if you didn't realize this, I'm very much into food and cooking. <laughs> if you saw me in person, you would understand perfectly. Uh, but uh, they're great. They uh, go to their respective websites, HammerstallKnives.com or HeritageCookware.com uh, uh, or Heritage Steel. They're all under the same umbrella. So we're talking with Gary Christian today, and. Um, one of the things that you have, you know, uh, what do I want to say, came up with the idea with and uh, built is you organize golf tours to Europe, the UK, uh, for people that want to go and they you can go yourself sometimes, I think, and you get to play with them. That's that's turning into quite a, a good business. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, a cool thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's all about you know these days. Yeah, it's all about the experience, isn't it? it? It's it's what can we do to add to the experience? So what I did, I actually partnered up with a, a company called Golf Traveler, based in the UK, a very highly respected uh, golf travel company, and they took me on as a global ambassador um, to you know facilitate trips, to set up trips, to organize trips, to. Um, you know, have sort of in effect concierge service from the the moment you put you put a group together and figure out where you want to go. I would then be very hands on to meet with the the travel party and meet and and talk about okay, what do we want to do apart from golf? 
Um, where do we want to eat? Well, you know, what or anything we could possibly think of on a trip and and use my you know my experience of former golf travel and, and playing and playing some of the best course in the world uh to kind of help them make decisions on what's maybe smart decision making for the trip you know most people they they have a dream trip and they try and cram too much in and as a result of that you know you can kind of lose a little bit but where you might get injured you might get overly tired and then you can't appreciate the great course coming up the next day or at the end of the week um and and it's just sort of just let, let me use my expertise from from doing a number of trips over the years to help craft the perfect bucket list trip where you play plenty of golf not not too few rounds of golf not too much golf you know, based on everyone's age and physical ability and, you know, talking about the, you know, you know, usefulness of caddies and everything that you could possibly think of. Um, and then in addition, if they want me to host it and in effect be a personal tour guide, then, you know, I can do that as well. And, you know, it's a pretty cool experience playing golf with a former PGA Tour sure. player and playing with a, a current uh, golf broadcaster. So, you know, I did a really cool trip last year where I, I, I persuaded a, a group to, you know, they played a lot of Lynx golf over the years. I said, well, how about if we do what I think is a really good hybrid trip of doing three days of Lynx golf on the Kent coast near Rolton Georges. And so it's Rolton Georges, Rolton Ports and Prince's, three British Open uh, host venues over the years. And then let's go to London and plays some of the greatest Heathland courses in the world. They're unlike any other courses around. And, you know, it, it was an amazing hybrid trip that that I had kind of opened their eyes into different styles of golf that they'd never heard of. But I said, it's the equivalent of playing Marion, Oakmont, and Pine Valley all within 20 minutes of each other, playing Sunningdale and St. George's Hill and Swinley Forest and places like that around London. So uh, it was, I can use my expertise to kind of, maybe craft some extra extra destinations or things they maybe hadn't thought of before. So uh, I, I really enjoy it. It's a passion. Uh, I've been fortunate to play some of the best courses in the world, and, and it's nice that I can maybe use that experience to, to make someone's dream trip even more special. Absolutely. Now, the, my background picture here is the old course. Mm. That's kind of on everybody's bucket list to go there. But in I've got a very good friend. In fact, he's my golf partner in the golf business. And he's been there multiple times in the UK. Um, he, uh, his family was from England and he has said the same thing. He goes, you know, it's great to go to Scotland and, and, you know, play Carnoustie and the old course, blah, blah, blah. Uh, those are all great. But he goes, if you get down around London, he goes, there's a lot of good courses that sometimes people that from the States that go over there overlook. Mm. And so, um, you got two votes here on that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, it's, I, I, I say it's, you know, it's kind of like playing the, 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 the sand belt in Australia with about a third of the travel um, because it just, you know, it is unique. The sand belt is unique to Australia. The Heathland belt is unique to London. Um, but there's like there's so many other things that courses people have never heard of. You, uh, yeah, there's two Alistair McKenzie courses in Leeds right next to each other that were one of his first designs, one, two of his first designs. And then it's not very far to Liverpool. You can play all the Royals, you know, Birkdale and Hoylake and Lytham. And, you know, there's just so many other destinations in addition to St. Andrews and the southwest of Ireland and Northern Ireland. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful destination place where you can take in some great cities as well and have some great experiences. 
Absolutely. Uh, Gary, we got to get out of here for radio time, but stick around where you do this other little segment called After Hours, which is where the fun really begins. Gary Christian, former um, tour player, uh, current broadcaster and travel guide. You got it. That'd be great to put on a business card. I mean, that'd be, just, that'd be good. Uh, but I thank you sincerely for being on the show. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, just go to Gary Christian. Gary J. Christian at gmail.com and get okay. in touch with me and I can put something together for you. We will, we will post that for you. Uh, we're oh. going to get out of here. Don't forget. We've got, uh, Oh, in the next couple of weeks, we've got Sarah camp. I've got Gordon, uh, Moore. Is it Moyer or Moore? I haven't talked to Gordon yet, but, uh, he was a green keep green guy at uh, St. Andrews for a long time. Anyway, we got a lot of stuff and we're broadcasting live from the Portland golf show. So till then go out, take care, play some golf and my all things be kind to everybody. Rolling at the green is produced by JTSD productions, LLC in association with Salem media group, all rights reserved.